This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yes! What is up, everybody? And welcome to another fantastic edition of the Kago Lasso podcast. Today, we're talking about Juve taking the spoils against my Roma. What is even happening? That was an instant Serie A classic. And Inter Milan compounding Lazio's lousy run to reclaim the top spot. Host Cameroon got off to an indomitable start in AFCON. And the magic of the FA Cup saw Arsenal and the world's richest club, which I feel is a bit misleading because they haven't really spent any money at the first hurdle in the FA Cup third round. That really hurts my soul. I'm Jimmy Conrad. I'm here with Heath Pierce to talk through a weekend full of spills, thrills, and cup upsets. And a friend of the show, Christine Cupo, is back to talk some calcio and bask in the glory of the old ladies' 4-3 to three win. K Golasso Weekend Recap begins right now. All right, everybody, you know the deal. Hit like, subscribe, turn on your notifications, hit us up in the chat, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. If you've listened to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Go leave us a five-star review. That would be very nice. Now, Heath, even though we think you're super handsome, we're going ladies first here. Christine, how are you? Great to see you as always. Um, I am wonderful today, especially. Uh, some good things happened earlier. So <laughs> Here you know, we go. Way to underplay it, Christine. Way to underplay it. Heath Pierce, how's Dubai? Uh, it's late, but life is good. Can't complain. Uh, and happy to see your faces. I miss Louise, though. I will say I miss Louise. I do. I, I, I was a, I'm a pinch hitter here, uh, taking over for LME. We miss you, Luis Miguel Echegaray, and he'll be back in the saddle very, very soon, most likely tomorrow. So let's start not with the old lady, Christine, or Juve. Let's talk about the top of the table. Jimmy, leaders. hold on, Jimmy. Did you just – isn't a pinch hitter a better version of – That's, <laughs> that's not true. I'm pinching in. I'm hitting – you know what? Why are you putting me on blast uh, right hey, now? Uh, I'll, I'll, I just wanted to clarify what what you I'm meant. I'm a sub. That, but it's okay. I'm okay, there we go. Sub. I'm super okay. subbing right now. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Producer Dez right. put up the sub thing and switched okay. numbers. And hey, I'm listen, coming in I just wanted, I needed just some clarity before we move Okay, on. I appreciate you. It's you clear now. It. Let's talk about Inter Milan Lazio, which I'm sure much to the chagrin of Christine because she's a supporter of Juventus. We got to talk about the table, the top of the table leaders doing the business today against Lazio. Very professional. Ed and Dzeko didn't even start this game, but they still got it done. What were your thoughts on this game, Christine? Absolutely dominant interperformance again. Um, when you have your center back banging goals and assisting, um, I feel like they have so many options at this point, despite the fact that um, they've been bopping around in first and second. Um, in the table since the season started that there's no doubt in my mind that they'll end up winning the Scudetto this season. Oh, wow. Flag is in the wow. ground. We wow. still got a plenty wow. of time. No love or respect for AC Milan. We'll get into their performance as well. But let's talk a little bit Inter and Lazio some more. Heath Pierce, what were your thoughts from this game? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think Christina's spot on. It was dominant. When I look back again at this time last year, I, I think it was their first game back from the new year. They lost to Sampdoria. And then they went on a run where they ended up losing to Juventus at the end of the year, but they had already wrapped up the title. They had a few draws in there, but they're pretty dominant, mostly low-scoring, uh, well-defended matches that they went on the run. And, and the reason I say that is because I have this trauma of basically AC Milan, who were ahead of Inter going into this point of last year falling apart and then same thing happening right now obviously AC Milan are keeping pace Inter Milan have a game in hand I believe but uh it's just it's not looking good for anybody else and while I do think it's a bit of a hot take for Christine to, to put it out there right now that they're going to win the Scudetto <laughs> it's hard to argue against that uh because I don't see uh Juventus coming back down uh 3-1 every match to to be able to like uh chase after a trophy themselves I yeah, wish. That was the, the eighth straight win for Inter in league play. And I think Christine's maybe doing a reverse jinx here. Just throwing that out there, everybody. Yeah. Now, Inter have also picked up 49 <laughs> points after 20 Serie A games played for the first time since the 2007-2008 season. And I think they have everything that they need. I'm just going to chime in with my two cents. They seem very well balanced. I actually saw an Alexis Sanchez or a version of Alexis Sanchez from like six years ago. The guy was on fire. And, and really influential in this game. And I thought, actually, uh, when he sent uh, Lataro Martinez in, that should have been onside. So this goal difference could have been a, a little bit. Just let's talk, Christine, a little bit about Lazio because Maurizio Sarri's the guy. Do you think he's going to last as manager throughout the rest of the season? Because they can score goals. Chiro the Hero, Hero Mobley scored his 15th in league play. But they defend. I mean, it's almost as bad as Roma's defending. I'm just going to throw that out there. Another team from Rome. I th actually, I was recently asked who I thought would be the first wild card to just get punted and sacked, like, and I think it would be sorry, honestly, um, though I don't think that anyone right now is itching, particularly to, to sack their manager. Um, the thing with sorry is people continue to hire him, despite the fact that um, he has a very particular system and it takes mm -hmm. time. So if you're not going to afford him with that patience, then it's kind of why would you throw away half your season? So that's my only reason that I kind of hinge on. I think he's safe for now. Um, but, I mean, Serie A is volatile. It is. It is. There's a lot of goals. I mean, Atalanta won 6-2. Sassuolo won 5-1. I mean, this is the league to watch. And, okay, maybe we're a little biased. It's on Paramount+. Plus, But still, it is an unbelievable league <laughs> and super entertaining. So let's segue, Heath Pierce, from Lazio's poor defending to Roma's poor defending, as everyone maybe, or maybe you don't know, but I support Roma, and it's been very painful to watch them perform like this. Now, I just got to throw this stat out there. I run, I ran, I, I, I wrote it down. That's what I wanted to say. So, so Mourinho has managed, as a professional coach, 1,024 games. Mm -hmm. This is only the second time out of those 1,024 that he's lost after having a two-goal lead. The first time was in 2015. When Chelsea was up 2-0 over Bradford City and they lost 4-2. And now, in the 70th minute, I can't, so unacceptable. And after the game, Jose Mourinho said that his players have a weak mentality. And they can't disagree with him. I'm okay with him throwing them under the bus because that was crap. I don't know how to say crap in, in well, maybe I do in Italian. But I'm going to save it. You know, maybe there's kids <laughs> watching. Heath, what were your thoughts on, on Roma's capitulation against Juventus? I, again, think it's a Mourinho issue more than anything. Uh, obviously, the the players are weak-minded, but to be able to have a lead like that and then to give it up, again, you're, you're talking about a Juventus side, but it wasn't exactly like Juventus were incredible from start to finish and that they they were dominant and that that it was just lucky that Roma were found themselves up 3-1. I mean, it was a pretty 
convincing performance from Roma to the point that I was like, okay, this is this is Roma's game, like anybody else thought that we're watching the match. And then to see Juventus come back into this one and you could see it kind of mounting and building and it just felt like usually you start to see a little bit of shift. And, you know, Jimmy, there's like this five, ten-minute window where you have to survive when you're up 3-1 or 3-2 and the game settles, you know, they get one back and it settles down. But at no point did it feel like Roma ever were able to settle back into it when it went to 3-2 to the point where it just kept on going and going, and it could have could have been even worse. And I think about the mentality of the players. If I'm in the locker room and I'm listening to Jose Mourinho, yeah, up three one, you're in a good spot. But I, I I have this fear in the back of my mind of like, what happens if you if you let Dad down, you know? And Dad's gonna come <laughs> in and yell at us again. And I feel like again, this is an end of an era for this type of manager, and it's really hard to motivate these players. Again, when I look at Maitland Niles and again all the English players that are coming into the squad, they should be able to handle this high pressure situation but it felt like they just sort of folded it and collapsed in a similar fashion that they've done other points this season. It's, it's, uh, I'm going to get emotional. I'm just going to throw it over then to Christine. Cause I don't know if I want to continue to dance in the waters <laughs> or uh, swim in the waters of, of Roma. Juventus though. What a comeback. I'm sure at the 70th minute before Locatelli scored to make it three, two Christine, I'm, maybe you threw in the towel at that point. Like this wasn't Juve's uh, day, but they I'm found being... a way to get back into it. If so I'm being entirely honest, that. when I saw that we were playing both Dishilio and Rugani, I thought we were done. That was <laughs> even before we even got on the pitch. So um, I was already starting off with uh, kind of scratch the head where it was like, wait, the betting lines and sites all have Juve winning, which I figured, fine, maybe Juve will win, but it'll be a boring match. Um, and then it seemed like they were going to get hammered. Uh, I think that the game flipped a lot. Even Roma, Smalling didn't have his best game. Cristante was being played out of position. Um, Maitland-Niles also not his best game, but Juve somehow, I don't know what the pep talk was, but they scored three goals in seven minutes. I'll take that all season. If you want to give me a heart attack, kill me that way. That's not the Juve (laughs) that I've come to know and love, especially under Maxi Allegri. Where are all the (sighs) 1-0 results? Yeah, I'm sure you're enjoying the the resurgence of Allegri's. Uh, maybe maybe because he wasn't on the sideline today. Maybe maybe that proved to be the difference. That maybe that is lo- it. The proximity to the actual touchline. <laughs> the further he gets, the better they play. Yeah. Maybe it's some like reverse sort of juju they have going on. Like instead of like a, an inter is like Conte to Inzaghi, which has been like the perfect formula. It's like the Pirlo to Allegri back from sorry back from Allegri is maybe it's just the bad cadence. I don't know. Um, okay, well but- well let's give some love to to Chesney because. He did he end up shipping today. three goals, but he saved a big uh, penalty there again against uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini. What are your thoughts on him overall? Because I only, I think, well, this goes for most teams. You're only as good as your goalkeeper. Your goalkeeper is going to take you as far. If you're going to win anything of consequence, you got to have somebody think, between the sticks uh, that's making saves. Do you think, think he has enough to help Juve get top four? I'm, I'm sure you're thinking Juve top four at this point. I think we will still finish top four, only because they do manage to struggle it out and get there with Allegri. If we did it with Pirlo in an unfurling pandemic, surely we can do it again with Allegri. Um, with that being said, I feel like confidence in tech has has waned. He isn't always that guy. He doesn't always seem to be in control or projecting the confidence that they need as a squad. Um, but he also stepped into Gigi's shoes. So I feel like that's kind of a hard... Um, when you're not as seasoned as, say, like your Bonucci and Chiellini together, um, whereas Gigi always felt like the dad. Um, right, right. Plus, he's a former <laughs> Arsenal player, so I mean, the bar can only be so high. You know what I'm talking about? He knows what I'm talking hey, about. Jimmy, I, I will say this. Let me say this real quick, Jimmy. Uh, speaking of goalkeepers, uh, here's a fun fact for you, Jimmy, and, and this is for your team here. Rui Patricio 
has has conceded three or more goals in a league match six times this season. I mean, you love them. When you talk it. about entertainment we, we, value times yeah, ten. Yeah, but when you talk about a team collapse, I mean, if you look at that back line, <laughs> you're you're talking about experienced players. And again, I know it's Juventus, but contextually, if they were to just lose two nil or something like that, I'd say okay, I get it. You know, it's it's Roma versus Juventus. Juventus on any given day could could rise to the occasion and have a dominant performance and something like that. But to be up three one. And to fall apart like that, I, I look at that back line and I look at that goalkeeper and I go, what? I mean, something's got to give, Jimmy. For me, I mean, we can go at Maitland-Niles a little bit, but new league, new team. I understand there's going to be new some players shuffling. Yeah. But, but even not. as the 23-year-old Brazilian center back, every time I watch him, that dude is trash. I don't know how to say trash in Italian, but he's trash. <laughs> every Basura is what I want to say in Espanol. I, I, I just, I think the dude's overrated. And, and there's no presence about him. Mancini can be in there. Like, their back line, Smalling, okay, pretty solid, all things considered. But he needs a partner, I think, that's a little bit better than him to get the best out of Smalling. It can't be the other way. Anyway, I don't want to get into the weeds in this. Everybody, let me know. Call to action for you that are watching live. Let us know right now. Will Juve finish top four? Yes or no? Put a Y for yes and an N for no. It's pretty easy. It's how we try to keep things simple here. So let's talk about some other – why you guys are answering that – Keith, let's go into uh, Milan versus Venezia. Uh, no Tanner Testament in this particular game. What I find interesting is that Venezia uh, had their game canceled and postponed, and Venezia showed up to the game, and the other team didn't show up, so the game got canceled, postponed, whatever. So, and yeah, so it technically right now is a forfeit per the Italian health authorities, but I have no doubt in my mind that they will appeal that and win the appeal. So that will probably be scheduled for, like, the least yeah, opportune yeah. moment. But Ven Venezia, Venezia put their starting lineup on a graphic and, like, did all the things to be, like, you know when they teach you, like, your first job right, where it's, right. like, make sure you document it, like, send it in an email so everyone can read it. Like, they did everything, including the social team being, like, make sure this exists because we're going to get these points. Okay, I just I just want to say that, that Tanner Tessman theoretically should have served his one-game suspension in that game so he would have been available today against AC Milan, and they – Serie said, no, he's got to serve it against Milan. I just think that's a bit of a joke. Uh, they, I've seen a lot of Juve's will finish top four. I saw Natalie. What's up, Natalie? Saying, no, they will not finish top four. Christine's going to have some strong words for you. Christine, go ahead. Uh, no, I, I, I think that I agree with you. I didn't realize that they hadn't counted that for Tessman. That's bizarre. It is bizarre. If, you, if that's technically a forfeit, that's a match played. Thank you very much. But Serie A, making rules as they go. That should be their new mm. tagline. Actually, a lot of <laughs> leagues are making things up as they go. So let's talk about this performance. Uh, Heath, I'll come to you first. Laton scores in the second minute. They get a couple other goals uh, from Teo Hernandez. I thought, I want to give a shout-out to Rafael Leal because when he plays for Milan, they're just different. They, they're more unpredictable. They Teams can't just, like, load up on, on Zlatan or Brahim Diaz. They can't – they just have so much more – there's so much more dynamic when he's on the field. He missed out on a month from, from mid-December, or excuse me, early December to early January, and they only won one out of their four games. He comes back. He's already got a goal. He got two assists today. Now, Zlatan, Zlatan, Zlatan's going to get a lot of the attention, but I just want to give a shout-out to Rafael Leal. What did you see out there today? Yeah, I mean, outside of the, the obvious missing of, uh, of uh, Kessie, I mean, Brahim Diaz back in again, Rafael Leal. I mean, we talk about the future of this club and that, that they have this youth. And then they lack this depth. And that's the two issues with Leo out. They, they obviously lack a replacement for him. But overall, I mean, it was a dominant performance for AC Milan in this one. And it's great to see Zlatan. Again, I still, my theory still holds. And I still believe strongly that 
Zlatan is only as strong as, uh, or the team is only as strong as Zlatan is, and that's a lot to rely upon him for a player his age because all of the headlines will always be when Zlatan scores, Zlatan continues to score. But when you watch the team play, he, he it's like having Ronaldo on the field where mm-hmm. it's just different. You have mm-hmm. to have a team catering to him, and when it works, it's great. But I don't know if this is a recipe to be able to go punch for punch with Inter Milan and could even see themselves falling into a third place again uh, somewhere along the, uh, in the season because you're just relying on on all your goals to come from a player that you're not going to be able to play every single game. And then again, the style of the play when he's on the field is 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 different than when he's off the field, and it makes it a lot less predictable for a player like Ibrahim Diaz to know where do I press, when do I drop, what's happening around me. He does do a good job of making it somewhat predictable given that his age and whatnot. But it's still you are still playing sort of down a man as soon as the ball goes in transition. Uh, Christine. Of all the other games that we saw, which one stood out for you? Anything, final thoughts on Serie A before we let you go in particular? Uh, is it is it Sassuolo winning 5-1? Very impressive performance from them. I mean, that was pr- that was really impressive. Adelanta 6-2 uh, um, against a pretty solid Udinese team. Uh, Napoli honestly, getting the 1-0 win despite being decimated <laughs> with injury. There's so, many, there's so many choices here for you. I'll give you a buffet of options. Which, which I, like? the, the options are... are delightful jimmy i honestly i have to go juve roma because roma seems to have fallen the hardest so far they went from what like fifth to seventh or mm-hmm, fourth mm-hmm. to seventh before the uh break for christmas so um that one seems to be the most telling they've got a lot of climbing to do um relegation zone hasn't changed much uh looking forward to i guess the previously requested super copa delay or uh rescheduling but um That'll be an interesting game for us on Wednesday. Yeah, it should be a, uh, some great games again in Italy, whether it's a cup competition or if it's in the, <laughs> the league. But now we welcome back. I'm done pinch hitting everybody. Oh, wait, how come nobody's talking about like, Salernitana getting the W? <laughs> because I want to talk about Luis Miguel Echegaray returning to the screens. What's up, LME? How are you? You did such a good job, Jimmy Conrad. I felt so bad uh, coming back. Thank you so much. By the way, I'm just warming the seat. It's all now. You know, I'm looking at all the three screens, and I'm like, this is too much of a handsome uh, show for me to even come. You know what I was doing? I was phone. I was Instagram talking with uh, Felipe Coutinho, so I was a little bit late. So apologies for that. Mm. Christine Cooper, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Just before you leave. I, mm-hmm. I know. Any any quick thoughts on your arsenal? Because you are celebrating on Juventus, but anything Listen. on your arsenal? <laughs> uh, this is the the pleasure pain balance that I like to maintain in my life. Um, I am going to uh, take in that. Um, we'll call it regret and sadness later tonight. <laughs> uh, but right now, I'm still buzzing, so we're we're not coming down yet. Buzz away, Christine Cuba. 4-3 uh, to Juventus. An absolutely <laughs> fantastic victory. Uh, by the way, thank you so much for being part of the show. And Jimmy Conrad, I appreciate you, brother. You always step in when you can. I love it. I know that... Uh, Heath Pierce is still locked away in that uh, foot locker in, uh, in Dubai. But <laughs> I do appreciate it. Christine Cooper, final thoughts before you say goodbye on um, anything, before we say goodbye, anything that you're, you're up to, that you're cooking up to these days? Uh, anything at all. That I'm, I'm, I'm just pouring incessant amounts of, of calcio in my eyeball. So uh, <laughs> you can catch me tweeting away and then talking about it on various Twitch and YouTube channels. But I'm um, happy to join you guys today. Lovely to see your smiling faces. Um, and everybody check out Supercope on Wednesday, um, Juve Inter. So absolutely fingers crossed. Well said, Christine Cupo. See, see Cupo on Twitter. Make sure that you follow her. Thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Thank you so much. 
All right, Jimmy, I got to tell you, you killed it once again, brother. I feel I feel kind of bad coming back. Are you good? No, you shouldn't. I just tried to channel my inner LME energy. And here we are. I love it. I love it. Heath Pierce, you haven't said much yet. Are you are you kind of mad that I'm back? <laughs> yeah, no, Jimmy, Jimmy, like he called himself a pinch hitter. And I wanted to clarify <laughs> while you were trying to figure it out what he what he meant, because in most cases, I remember pinch hitter being somebody that stepped in as generally an improvement, right? A pinch hitter, say, for a pitcher uh, mm -hmm. or uh, in a bind, yeah. uh, so to speak, uh, but a better version. But I actually did a little research. It, it, I mean, it, it turns it's more out about situational, right. situational yeah. sub. In a bind is the key, I think. He's yeah, yeah, in a bind. Yeah. And we I, were in a bind. Yes, we were in a bind, and Jimmy stepped up and pinch hit. <laughs> that's, that's what uh, and, he did. And, and so now I have no more, I have no more quarrels or comms. I had to uh, research it. I, it's on, I'm on Wikipedia right now. <laughs> it just talks about emergency situations, Jimmy. It doesn't talk about. That's right. So uh, I, laid, I laid down a bunt and yeah. legged it out the first, and I'm safe. Okay? And you did <laughs> it. And we're so close. We're so close to the World Series. Welcome, everybody. Uh, I, I'm so glad I'm here. I, I apologize. I had some technical difficulties, but we we got through it. Uh, and now we continue. We have said goodbye to Serie And now I will allow Jimmy to really do what he does best, which is analysis with our friend Heath Pierce as well. And by the way, the USMNT hour as well tomorrow with our friend Grant Wall. So that should be a good one, too. But let's talk about the FA Cup third round. Uh, obviously, the most entertaining, arguably, of the rounds in the FA Cup. We got some big ones there. So where should we go first? Who should be the biggest loser? Heath. Should we go with Heath, Heath. Pierce, the Arsenal yeah. fan, or Jimmy Conrad, the Newcastle fan? Richest club in the world yeah. losing to Cambridge United. Where, where should we go? Jimmy? Heath, Heath. Like, Arsenal <laughs> actually has a, a vibe about them. They're winning something, and mm -hmm. then they didn't against Nottingham Forest. So I want to hear what Heath has to say. That's true. And uh, Nicholas Murray, by the way, Cambridge United fan as well here. So he's going to be saving up uh, for that one. But Heath, give me your thoughts. Nottingham Forest won nothing against the Arsenal. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's still not as bad as Newcastle, but it is bad because Arsenal are in form, as Jimmy mentioned, and it's an unacceptable loss. What I will say about this game, though, is... There's been about a month or so that I felt a little bit stale of the teams that I follow and support. You know, I'll watch a city game because it's nice football and I'll watch other games because of certain contexts about them. But when you see these cup competitions and what they mean to teams in the lower divisions, it, it just made me so happy. Again, obviously, there's an American as a CEO at Nottingham Forest and Dane Murphy, who was who was the one that brought uh, Daryl DK to Barnsley before and kind of got a lot of credit, which helped him to get this new job at, at Forest. So I'm happy for him. But just to see the excitement and also to see teams that get to the final 10 minutes and have no problem booting the ball as far as they can up the pitch or out of bounds and doing all these shenanigans, it was just nice to see again. And it made me happy. Obviously, I'm disappointed in the way Arsenal played. I think it's fully unacceptable. I think it's a really poor performance. And, and yeah, there's no other way around it other than to say that it's, it's completely unacceptable. However, Nottingham Forest put up a fight and, and did what most teams in the championship know how to do. And that's fight and say, you know what, I'm going to make it really, really hard and make it ugly and we'll play ugly and we'll, we'll scrap and every ball we're going to challenge for. And we're going to be first to 50 fifties and all the things that you hear as cliches in a locker room where it's like, get into the first challenge, win the second balls, get up in the air, go up with your elbow. Like all of those things that made Arsenal uncomfortable from start to finish. They did, and so full credit to Nottingham Forest. What I'll jump in and say that this is the second time that Arsenal have been eliminated in the third round of the FA Cup for only uh, in the last 26 seasons. Now, 
I also should have mentioned when we we're going which team we're going to talk about first. Arsenal have won more FA Cup trophies than anybody else. Of course, we got to talk about them getting knocked out. Newcastle. I don't even know. I don't even can't remember how many they won. It's like it's definitely on one hand, if, if <laughs> any hands at this point. So, so far, so, though, Jimmy, so far they got. They okay, got yeah, maybe that they changes in the next twenty years when we win thirteen straight or whatever with all of our oil money. But, but, yeah, I just this is the one thing I'm going to say, and I'll say it for Newcastle as well. If you're going to get knocked out in a cup competition. You might as well do it in the first possible round. Now you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to commit extra resources of time and energy and effort to try to like, are we going to go for it this year? And and now you can just settle in and be like, all right, we're focusing on the domestic league and we're focusing on Europe, which Arsenal doesn't have either. So all they have to worry about is the domestic league. Well, I guess they got FA Cup or excuse me, League Cup semifinals too. But outside of that, that's it. And we saw how well, I'm going to use Inter Milan as an example, who, who, had that at the end of the year and then the last third of the season really kicked on because that's all Antonio Conte and his men had to concentrate on and I think Belkel Arteta given the talent that he has and what they've displayed already this season could really use that to their advantage so if you get knocked out do it as soon as possible because you don't want to commit all that time and then losing the semifinals and you're in the same exact spot you were if you'd lost in the third round yeah and to your point two big objectives for respective clubs Arsenal they want a Champions League spot that's what they want the most important thing and Newcastle at this point they want to stay in the Premier League of course by the way shout out to Poppy Miller Nottingham Forest fan, by the way, who was loving that victory. All right. Well, listen, uh, Des, I know that you put up the scores earlier. Maybe you can put it up again, but there were some great results, by the way. Uh, Boreham Wood, that was fun, by the way. Oh, yes. Alan Shearer, of course, uh, he said, well done, Cambridge. Pathetic NUFC. Yeah. <laughs> Kieran Trippier, by the way, leaving Atleti to come to this. Uh, but look, here are all the results. Boreham Wood, by the way, in the fifth year. But Kidderminster, to me, is the story. Beating Reading. Kidderminster place in the National League North. That's the sixth tier of English football. 79 places below Reading, by the way. And my goodness, they got that win. Go to their Twitter account, by the way. Absolutely amazing. Uh, but these are the remaining fixture, the remaining results from the third round. We got one more we'll talk about in a second. But Heath, any thoughts from all of these results? I mean, the FA Cup is so magical because of this very reason. In many ways, the antithesis of obviously Super League narratives, etc. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing from from a bigger club standpoint was the Leicester-Watford game, and I thought Leicester were really impressive in that match, winning 4-1. But um, outside of that, again, I just love to look at some of these smaller clubs and that are that are kind of grinding their way through these performances. Uh, if you've ever been to a Millwall match, I recommend that as well. They fell to, to Crystal Palace. But um, I just love to see some of these teams again come to life uh, and, and challenge because you can see all sort of bets go off, the form – the, the style of play and all these things. If you watch some of these games, it's just like you flying challenges and all kinds of wild things happening. So yeah, just overall a, a really fun weekend on, on those matches. Yeah. I'm just going to jump in and kind of put a button on this Newcastle stuff. It, it was disappointing. We're at home against a uh, college town, you know what I mean? In Cambridge and, <laughs> and we should do better. And I thought we created enough chances to at least get a goal in that one, but similar to what not an enforced to Arsenal, you got to fight, you got to scrap, you got to do the little things. You got to win the 50, 50 balls. You got to win the second balls to really put yourself in a position to beat these types of teams. And they just wanted a little bit more. And, and that proved to be the difference. Now the same rhetoric I was using for Arsenal is the same. Arsenal's trying to fight for the top four. That's what matters. They want that champions league money. They want to be in that competition. Yeah. Newcastle just need to survive. Whether we won the, the uh, FA Cup for the first time since 1955, we won it four times, by the way. Thanks, Producer Des, for making me sound smarter. That we, we're not going to probably win it. We don't have the team to actually survive. So just get out of it. We play Watford this upcoming weekend. We are two points behind them in the table. 
Okay, they're out of the relegation zone. We're in it. That game matters more than this game against Cambridge. And, and that's the reality of Newcastle's situation. So, yes, it hurts, but we got to move on to next week. And we need to see a reaction. You can say all the apologies. You can go to Twitter and Instagram and apologize for how you didn't. I don't give a shit about any of that. Show up against Watford and all will be forgiven. Yeah, and that's yet still to be seen in the league as well. So Newcastle have a mountain to climb. Let's throw out those uh, fourth round uh, fixtures that will be coming up. Uh, Palace, Hartlepool, of course, there's a bunch. I'm not going to read all of them, but Chelsea, Plymouth is interesting, obviously. But it's always great to see different leagues fight against each other, specifically when it's the Premier League mighty. Man City, Fulham, is, is. I wish it was the other way around. Craven Cottage is always a great stadium. But there is one more game in the third round. Is Not Des only. trying to? But hold on. Is Des trying to troll me with this Nottingham Forest or Arsenal against Leicester <laughs> on here? <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe it was all those. He did text me at three in the morning saying, "You know what? I'm going to make Keith Pierce's life a living." Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to add add these names as if it's still up in the air. <laughs> but there is one more game in the third round, and that's Monday, and that's Manchester United against Villa for the 478 million time. We always draw. Man United away in the third round. Jimmy, thoughts? United, Villa. <laughs> I just don't know who Ralph Rangnick's going to start. <laughs> Obviously, he's missing a few players. Maguire's out, or doubtful at least. Uh, Baye's gone for Africa Cup of Nations. Pogba's out. So, and Lindelof, uh, as I just mentioned. So you got Phil Jones. Maybe he gets a run out. Uh, I, I don't know who else. I mean, is, is Juan Basaka your guy? Is it Diogo Dolat? I mean, Tell us, uh, it's McTominay, Fred, McSauce, they should be out there. Then who? Is it Lingard, Bruno Fernandes, Ronaldo Rashford? I mean, I don't know. I just don't know who he's going to roll out. And I don't know how the players are going to respond to whoever he decides to choose. So this is a really, really pivotal game. And I know that United have only lost once under Ralph Rangnick, but it feels like the sky's falling. And it will definitely fall some more if they get knocked out here to Aston Villa at Old Trafford. Yeah, I agree with Jimmy. I, I, I just look at this and I go, I feel like life, in some context, and this is terrible to say, becomes easier when a club has this many players and there are injuries and COVID situations where you're forced to like sort of work with a certain mm -hmm, team. Mm -hmm. We know he's going to go with the 4-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2 as far as he can go. But, <laughs> but I don't know who he's going to put in there. I don't know who's going to perform. I don't know who's ready to go. I was a huge fan of Greenwood. Now I'm like, man, the, the internet's convincing me I shouldn't believe in Greenwood. I was a huge <laughs> fan of Greenwood. And Fernandez, and now I'm reading Fernandez is on going to be on his way out to somewhere else because he wants to leave. And I just, you know, I, I wonder who uh, Ranya's going to trust in and who's going to give their trust back to him and buy into the process because it's kind of a little bit of a give or take right now where the players come in, new players want to prove themselves, uh -huh. new chance for life, but Sancho hasn't really rewarded him with much so far. Greenwood hasn't rewarded much so far, so I just wonder who's going to come on there. But, I mean, on the flip side, Luis, I think this, this is a sh surely winnable game for Aston Villa, I mean, let's talk a little bit about the, the Coutinho situation. Yeah, I mean, well, Michael Oliver is refing this game, so I'm, I'm never going to make that a what you But uh, The same call to action to everybody, by the way. Like, subscribe, and get in the comments. But what are your thoughts, of course, over this game, United Villa and Felipe Coutinho to Aston Villa as he makes his way for a loan. Uh, Villa's paying a percentage of his salary. There's a option to buy later on, which is around 35 million euros, which is not too bad. Listen, in my opinion, as a Villa fan, it, it's a gamble. It's a good gamble. I wrote about it on CBS Sports, but it's it, non-Villa fans need to know this. It just, we were 15th in the championship a few years ago, okay? 15th. We made the playoff final, came back to the Premier League, just avoided relegation by the skin of our teeth. The fact that now 
we have a trio, a tight trio in Ollie Watkins, Emiliano Wendia, and now Felipe Coutinho, who is looking once again to revitalize himself. You know, he needs to be not the main dish, but one of the main dishes. And that didn't happen at Bayern. It didn't happen at Barcelona, but it can happen. We have seen it. He was the best Brazilian player at the World Cup in 2018. He's done it for Inter Milan. Pochettino did it for him in Espanol. He can do it again with his friend, Steven Gerrard. I think it's a really good gamble. Now we're thinking about uh, Lucas Dean as well, that maybe be me coming in. It's it's a lot of ambition for Villa. I just, this game in particular, just like United needs a reaction, uh, to Jimmy's point, Villa needs a reaction because of that loss against Brentford. It wasn't a pretty uh, way to lose. I think it was a lot of uh, toothless performances. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see how this, and by the way, Right after this game, Jimmy, we play Man United one more time in the Premier League as well. So it's like it's trying it's a to get two legged affair here, Ellen. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I have a question because you're so passionate about Aston Villa. Can can Buendia and Coutinho play together? Is there a lineup that they where they can coexist, or do you feel like it's just one or the other? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. Chuck Booth, our writer, wrote about it as well about you know sort of uh, balancing these acts. I, I see it as two ways. One, obviously, you can see. Coutinho as a number 10, right? Which is what Emiliano Wendia is. And then you kind of can slot them right under Ollie Watkins, you know, whether one sort of disadvantages himself because of the others is to question. But then there's the other scenario, especially when Leon Bailey comes back to fitness, which is you have Leon Bailey on the left and then Emiliano Wendia goes a little bit further right. And then you now have Coutinho at the top of the triangle, the midfield behind Watt. There are things that you can do. I think ultimately... It's a good problem to have. Yeah, for no, of course. That to course, me is yeah, is, is the one thing that I'm looking at. And I'm excited to it. And I go back to my original point. The fact that Coutinho is a Villa player, at the very least on loan. As a Villa fan, somebody that was cheering for them when they were 15th in the championship, five points above relegation to League One. This is unbelievable stuff. Heath, I don't know if you wanted to add anything before we move on. No, I mean, my only worry with these types of players is these windows go so long that the memory we had of them, I just wonder if they can get back to their level. Obviously, the Gerard connection is there, and he's done well in the Premier League in terms of that fast-paced transition type of game that, that, uh, that I hope that is the case. Obviously, taking a big wage cut to be able to go on this loan, to help Barcelona on the way. He's doing a lot of the things right. And by the way, the last thing I would say is uh, the Dinia, uh stuff, if that actually happens, I mean, Jimmy... What about uh, Maximine tweeting out there? Is Dina coming? Uh, I don't know if you you, you saw that. Sometimes I don't try to pay attention to Newcastle stuff for mental health reasons. So yeah. so uh, as much as I appreciate ASM putting some pressure on Dina to come, like, hey, come join the party because we need you like, and about five other people. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look like Dina has any, any uh, hope or any desire to, to go play for Newcastle. So, yeah. you know, if, if he's out, then let's just focus on who's next up. And I heard that Sven Botman from Lille. I mean, that would be for, massive. It'd be a massive. And he said he wanted to come and I couldn't believe it. I almost fell out of my chair. So, so, <laughs> so right now, mental, <laughs> my mental health is in, in a decent spot, but we need to beat Watford. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Cool. But uh, the, there's a tweet, by the way, from ASM trying to, trying to play uh, Ari Gold here and trying to grab uh, Lucas. That's hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. So funny. <laughs> I love the fact that he quoted Fabrizio as well, by the way, ASM, thank you for not having like a social media manager and just being yourself and tweeting. We need to see more of that. By the way, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Africa Cup of Nations debuted today. Some great results. La Liga as well is Vinny Jr. and Benzema, the best duo in the world. We talk about much more games in La Liga, the Bundesliga, and of course, the final thoughts. Diego Lasso, Weekend Recap, Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad. We'll be right back. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekend Recap. Kegel Lasso, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce. All right, let's talk about Africa, Cup of Nations. By the way, our preview is getting a lot of praise because we got some great guests in it. By the way, thank you so much. I'll make sure that you keep tuning in on that one. But it debuted today, Cameroon. 2-1 against Burkina Faso. Vincent Ababu Kabar uh, cancels out Gustavo Sangares Golasso opener with two penalties, uh, by the way. And Ethiopia against Cape Verde. Jared Baez sent off in the 12th minute and Cape Verde wins it as well. But amazing stuff. Let's begin with that opening game there, uh, Jimmy Conrad. Cameroon, they were one nothing down and they got that win. What a goal, by the way, by Burkina Faso. If you're going to watch a goal... It's just what a yes. way to start the tournament. It was such Bertrand a well cross. Goal. Oh, was cross. So good. It was so good. And maybe Onana could have done a little bit better on, on the on the cross, but still, what a finish. So if you're gonna go check out some highlights, make sure you take a look at that goal in particular. Now, I don't know. Cameroon's hosting the tournament. Cameroon gets two penalties after being <laughs> down a goal. I'm just throwing that out there. Now I thought that both were penalties, so take that for what it is. But still, a little sketch, you know, especially right before halftime, and they got two yeah. goals. I'm just throwing that. But <laughs> Uh, a good performance by the Indomitable Lions. You obviously want to start the tournament with three points when you're hosting the whole tournament and getting the fans behind you, getting that sense of belief, which I think will carry them on to the knockout rounds. Uh, with regard to Ethiopia and Cape Verde, I thought Cape Verde were the better team, even if they it was still 11 v 11. I thought they were driving the game. Ethiopia kind of hanging on for the whole time. So pleasantly surprised to see how Cape Verde performed. I'm curious to see how they do the rest of the group because they then now have Cameroon and Burkina Faso who might be the two best teams in the group. So Burkina Faso has some work to do, but yeah, it's just, it's a great tournament and the energy is fantastic. And the, and the passion for the game, it's just like you see everywhere else. And the fact that it's not on more TV sets around the world is a bit disappointing because there's a lot of special players and teams performing in this. The only thing I would add to that is uh, as I was watching the uh, game, the first match, uh, the opener of the tournament, I, I started to think about Christina uncle when she was talking about a few months ago, how, Different cultures allow different things. And when she was talking about the Caribbean nations and how you go down there and it's just different, like what's acceptable for a challenge? These challenges fly. I mean, you're talking about <laughs> like 
three, four step full lunge challenges. <laughs> and, you know, you're talking about yellow cards, warnings and things like that. And the action of it culturally, it's just a lot of fun to watch. And then yeah. you take that as, as, as a continent and you just start to mix in all these different cultures. And it's such a, it's just such a great tournament that I can't wait for the number of potential red cards that are going to happen just from flying <laughs> challenges and people getting heated. But yeah, great start to the tournament. No, it's a great point, Heath Pierce. Uh, before we move on and show you Monday Sixtures, uh, I haven't asked these two boys because they weren't part of the preview, but uh, who do you have your money on winning the whole thing? And that's a call to action to everybody. Write in on, uh, on the message board. Who do you have winning Africa Cup of Nations? Jimmy, who do you have? Well, with all due respect to Algeria, who won it last time, I'm going to go with Senegal. You got Sadio Mane. I think he's going to be up for it. You got Edward Mendy in goal. You got Koulibaly, who apparently is healthy for this, uh, even though he'd been hurt with Napoli for a while. Asmalia Assar, Adrisa Gay, uh, Bunasar. <laughs> they, they got a team. They got a team and, and, and a team that I think maybe is the most balanced. I mean, Algeria will be there, and, and there's other teams, of course, that you could say, well, they got some balance too, but I think they got balance. They got a little bit of depth, and, and I think... I, I think Senegal are, are going to be my choice. And it I, would be and for the first prediction, time, God, Tundra, They've never I'm won it. I, I, you know what? There's been, in the last five Africa Cup of Nations, there's been five different winners. Why not Senegal this time around? Absolutely. Heath? Yeah, if it's not Senegal, it's Algeria. They won the Arab Cup. I was watching that pretty closely. And just the way that they play, the style that they play, the intensity, the, the system that they play, it's a beautiful style of football. It's aggressive. It's fast-paced. But at the same time, they have a number of technical players. And it just seems to win out over time. They can make a lot of these teams. Because, when you know, again, when you talk about the African Cup of Nations, it's similar to – actually, I don't know what it would be compared to in terms of style of play because you have such a wide range of style, styles of play there that they can make teams really suffer for long periods for lack of possession. They're very good on the counterattack. They've got mm -hmm. a lot of speed and transition. And a number of those players play at those types of clubs. So I have if, it, if it's not going to be Jimmy's selection, I'm going to go with Algeria. No, yeah, Algeria was my choice. Uh, Jamal Belmadi, who used to play for Southampton, he's the manager, a very good manager. They're very talented. But to your point, very organized, structured of the ball as well. Uh, oh, Elias, thank you. Koulibaly's out with COVID as well with Mendy. Is that true? Well, you we'll have what? to get... Just making it more... Ilyas, we see you, and and this is part of the challenge. They'll be fine. To get to the knockout rounds, they'll be back. Don't worry. Yeah, Ilyas, I appreciate the update, though. Well done. Thank you so much. But yeah, uh, Senegal still a force. But here are the fixtures for Monday. Senegal, Zimbabwe, Morocco against Ghana, Guinea against Malawi. Comoros, by the way, debut in the tournament. Uh, their mascot, a prehistoric old fish. They're my favorite team just because of that. And Gabon without Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who also, by the way, got COVID. So that's Africa Cup of Nations. But let us know the team that you think will win it all. All right, let's go from Africa to La Liga. And uh, it's getting uh, very exciting once again, I guess, in terms of goals. Uh, the last, the latest, the last game of the weekend was Villarreal 2, Atletico Madrid 2, Angel Correa with a golazo from just inside the halfway line. We'll say it's the halfway line. Why not? Uh, but Condogbia spares uh, further Rojiblanco Blanco blushes because uh, they were 2-1 down and Atleti get that point. Jimmy, Atleti, thoughts? I mean, it's not a win, but at least it's not a loss against Villarreal, who looked like we're going to have three points. I, I predicted a draw, so I'm happy that I there was right with regard to that. Villarreal, though, has been fantastic ever since Gerard Moreno has really got back to top form. He had a an assist today and... I think he missed the penalty, if I'm not mistaken, but he 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 just is dangerous. And and if you don't track him into midfield, he's going to beat you with that that pass that's going to unlock a player to go through, as he did with uh, Moreno. My still my concern, 
with Atleti is 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 the defense. Mm. They're not going to win anything. They're not going to have any deep runs in Europe or in the cup competitions if they can't defend consistently. And it's so against type when I think about a Cholo Simeone managed team that I, I don't I don't have words because he's got so much talent at his disposal. I say it every time we talk about Atleti. I just don't know if he knows what his best 11 is or his best formation with the current group of players that he has. But I want to give a shout out to Angel Correa. That was an unbelievable goal. He's now got three goals in his last two games. And when he plays, I just feel like they're a little bit more dynamic. He's just got to find the right partner to partner with up top and, and midfielders that are underneath him. Yeah, by the yeah. way, the pen was missed, but Dani Parejo scored uh, from That's the right. rebound. The VAR That's right. ruled right. it out for a handball. Heath, go ahead. That's right. No, it's, it's, it's another one of those situations where obviously a bad square ball leads to an unbelievable goal from half, from the half line. And then from there, it was weird because you would think that that would wake up uh, Atletico Madrid uh, into being a little bit different. But instead, Villarreal just started playing. And they started playing better. And they started to control possession. And they started to have a really good flow where you could just feel this swing where you're like, this doesn't feel like it's supposed to happen after scoring a goal. Um, but o- overall, you look at the, uh, the the result of this game, and you and both teams have to be happy to be able to get out of that with a point. Obviously, Villarreal probably a little more disappointed. But if you're mm-hmm. Atletico Madrid, you continue to look at these situations, and you go, "Man, we had it all to lose, and we, we and we we just can't seem to figure it out. We can't figure out how to be the Sevilla of this year, uh, like we've been for the last decade." And it's a little bit disappointing because it's not like it's a revamped roster. It's not like it's a new style of play or a new philosophy. And I just wonder if that burnout, uh, if, if that actual recipe is, is actually the burnout that's happening with this team right now. Well, the other side of the capital, Real Madrid, after losing their first game of the year against Getafe, uh, they won in the cup. And then they said, screw this, Valencia, 4-1. And Vinicius Jr., Karim Benzema, I mean, listen, first of all, Heath and Jimmy, you jump after this, but are they the best duo in world football right now? I don't see any. I don't. I just don't see who else could be better than them in the form that they're in. Uh, the fact that, and again, this this it makes me sad every time we have to talk about this in the form that they're in right now because we talk about ben, Benzema and the context that he has. I think he just hit 300 goals or 300 301 yeah. uh, goals, and he's clearly going to pass Raúl, who I think is ahead of him, and then obviously Ronaldo at the at the top, and and uh, what is it, Messi, Ronaldo, and Raúl, or something like that. Uh, but for 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 those goals, I think it's the Ronaldo, whatever. Um, that's not important. <laughs> I, I I've I've lost track of those numbers, but it, it just we'll get them, it, we'll get them. It, it disappoints me to have to talk about him in the context of form when he's done it so consistently for so long. However, when I think about Vinicius Junior. And I'm Holland, and I'm figuring out what club is going to trigger my 68 million whatever release clause. I'm like, okay, that looks pretty attractive to me. I can form this combination. This guy's going to get me balls in good spots. He's going to run off my shoulder. I'm going to be able to spin off and get into these good spots. But you look at Benzema and where he gets the ball, where he finds his spots in front of goal. He's put into such good positions. And when he gets those chances, they're the same type of goals that I think Holland's able to score. So I can't. I mean, just thinking across the globe, I'm having trouble thinking about a, a two-person. I mean, obviously, I wish it would be PSG because that'd be pretty entertaining. But there's nobody else that I can see in form right now that's better than them, or at least more in tune with each other and getting the most out of each other than the two of those guys right now. I, I'm going to have to jump in and say Robert Lewandowski with 20 goals and Thomas Miller with 14 assists so far in the Bundesliga. Could be two guys that are always uh, in tune with each other. They they combine for the goal. 
this yeah, weekend. Yeah, well, they lost this weekend, Jimmy. They did. They lost. But, okay. but the goal that, that Lewandowski scored was assisted by Thomas <laughs> Muller, who's yeah. looking for that entry pass. Good turn by Lewandowski, and he buries it. Now, that's true. They did lose to Mönchengladbach, and they had a now, bit of a Are they a ball. better duo than Vinny and Benzema? Currently, mm. I'm going to say they're probably behind them. But when you look at kind of like all Ooh, of big 2021. Win. Big win. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the so, current situation, though, okay. Vinicius Jr. Yeah, and that's about what they're doing. They're unstoppable, these two. Yeah. And you can't and, – and it's it's tough. And they're, they're, they're not set in the same way. I mean, Muller plays underneath Lewandowski. Vinicius plays a little bit wider. Benzema. You got Mo Salah on 16 goals. Uh, Diego Jota has 10 goals. They both are the top two scorers yep. in Liverpool. Where they mentioned. In the Premier yep. League. And then Sadi Mane is in sixth with goals with eight. So, so, and Jota has 10 and, and Salah has 16. There probably is an argument to be made for, for we'll those guys. Being a great we'll give them the well. trio. We'll give them the best trio in football. <laughs> give they them can, the best trio it's football. like giving Robert Lewandowski the best forward award and then giving the ball and door to Messi, right? <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. so, so I, yeah, I mean, maybe they get the best trio and these two get the best duo, but I think Lewandowski and Muller definitely deserve the shout. Have, have Real Madrid woken up then? Have they woken up from that little uh, hangover they had against Getafe now and they're fully in control? I mean, Sevilla still has a game in hand, but Jimmy, what do you think? Real Madrid still looking good in that poll. And by the way, before you answer, he, to your point, Cristiano Ronaldo, 450 goals for Real Madrid. Raul, 323. De Stefano, 308. Karim Benzema, 301. So, uh, De Stefano, for sure. Raul, you would think so. It just probably needs another season, I would imagine. Oh, I hope he scores it in De Stefano's stadium that they played in all that year. <laughs> that, would be, that would be interesting. But, Jimmy, Real Madrid, how, how are they looking? I would say that, yes, so the... Uh, clear, I'll say it. Clear favorites to win La Liga. Sevilla, for me, this is going to be an interesting time for them. As I look at their schedule, they got Betis away, which is the what, El Gran Derby. They have, and that's in the Copa del Rey. They got Valencia, Celta Vigo, Osasuna, Elche, and then they start uh, the knockout rounds in the Europa League with Dinamo Zagreb. Mm. And, and then they got Espanyol, and then they got Zagreb. I mean, that, as, as much as that schedule seems manageable, and they should, in theory, win all those games, this is where it's going to, for me, going to be determined. It's not going to be going against the Atletis and Barcelona's and Real Madrid. This is going to make or break their season. Can they yeah. manage playing in Europe? Can they manage the cup competition? Can they manage their domestic form and still get results? That's going to be the big test for Sevilla. And I'm still very curious. You know, Rafa Mir scored today uh, or this weekend uh, for, to beat the Hatafe. So they got a lot of 1-0 wins, which I really appreciate. Cholo Simeone should take notes on how that's done. But, but that's going to be going to be the difference. Can they can they manage that? And are they going to sign anybody in the January transfer window? Because I feel like there were some rumors that there were some possibilities. They were trying to strengthen their squad. And I think they need to. If they really want to compete for La Liga, they need to provide some depth because Jesus Navas is like basically being put together with duct tape at this point. Uh, Heath, final thoughts on Real Madrid. I mean, uh, Real Madrid are the clear favorites. The only thing... I, 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 I'm, I'm starting to believe more and more. Up until even this last week, I wasn't believing in Sevilla. Now with the game in hand and they're five points behind, I do think that there is an argument there. I mean, when I when I think about Bono, who, who has uh, led all teams last season in clean sheets, across, oh, more than 50% of their matches were clean sheets. And then even, I think for him, for club and country, were, were, was that stat. And then even this year, they're, they're eight or nine clean sheets so far, and they're continuing to build. That's where I see the hope. And every week, I'm having a little bit more belief that they can keep pace because of that foundation that's no longer a fluke to me. It's built over a couple of seasons. I wonder, like Jimmy said, if they're capable of bringing in a player or two in this January transfer window to be able to score more goals or to create a little bit less pressure than having to be perfect uh, in your back four or five or six um, every single game. But yeah, it, it's, it, I, 
I'm, I, I just entered my first bit of doubt with Real Madrid in terms of being able to run away from things uh, because I do think Sevilla can keep tight. I just don't know if they'll have enough by the end of the season. It's really funny. Carlo Ancelotti, I feel, just came in and said, guys, what's the big deal here? Madrid, <laughs> yeah. Camino, Cruz, leave that alone. And then everything else will work itself out. Sometimes the answer is simply, but when you go to Barcelona, by the way, uh, Dani Alves, uh, his last uh, assist was against Granada in 2016 until his assist for, against Granada this time around with Luke de Jong. But they tied that game um, and it's El Clásico on Wednesday uh, in the Supercopa semifinal. Jimmy, is this, I mean, Pedri and Ferran Torres, obviously they're out, uh, but is this one of these uh, underwhelming classicals? Do you feel like one of the most, if not the most? Underwhelming? I guess in some capacity, because you don't have necessarily the star power, but there's a, a really interesting narrative as to where these two clubs are currently in their evolution, or let's say for Barcelona's sake, the post-Messi evolution, and now is Xavi taking over, what are they going to look like? Who are they going to lean on? Who's going to step up in big moments in these? Because we could say, yeah, this game doesn't have a lot on it, but then all of a sudden, you could have a Pedri who scores an absolute screamer in the 87th minute to win it, and he becomes an absolute hero for the club, and he probably will be for, for a long period of time. But you need those types of moments, and who's going to step up? Right now, they're relying on Luke de Jong. The guy scored goals, and and... You're like, ah, cool. That guy shouldn't be wearing a Barcelona shirt, but here we are. And, the one guy and, you want to get rid of. They're like, oh, damn it. He keeps scoring. I know he does. <laughs> and he's very good at it. He's very good in the box. Sevilla used him to great effect to win a Europa League not too long ago. It's just funny. I just I just don't look at Luke, Luke de Jong as a Barcelona player, same as I look at Marwan Fellaini as a Manchester United player. Just like, what? My brain doesn't, <laughs> they can't accept. It's not real. Yeah. But, but this is a big opportunity for Barcelona, especially at home, to kind of let Real Madrid know that they're still a force to be reckoned with. And I think there's a lot to play for there. Then conversely for Madrid, obviously it's, it's a time for them to kind of, you know, put their hand right on, <laughs> right on the little head of Barcelona. Oh, you got a lot of cute little young players, but you suck. We're better than you right now and really kind of exert their dominance. And that the, this dominance could extend for a couple of years, especially if Mbappe comes in and, and if, if Holland decides to join Mbappe as well, which I think would be a little unfair to everybody else in Europe. But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting game, a big game for Barcelona because right after that they have Athletic Club de Bilbao, which is not going to be any, any any easier. So yeah, this yeah, was in Saudi game. Arabia, by the way. This game, yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. short <laughs> trip, short trip. No, I I agree. I I do think it's one of the most one sided in history. However, I'm trying to I'm trying to preface this for the, where Barcelona are in this project right now. You can put out a good performance, still lose this game, and I think there's still some progress to be made if you put up a good fight. I go back to. 2010 as like the most lopsided season that I remember where Barcelona beat Real Madrid in, in, in the spring 5-0. They went on to win the Champions League that year. They won the league and then uh, lost the cup to, to, to Real Madrid in the end from, from taking the treble. But for this season, I, I, I just see that being lopsided, but almost acceptingly lopsided where Real Madrid feel like they are at the end of an era. And this is sort of the last hurrah of like, you talk about Casemiro, Cruz, and, and, and Modric. Yeah, Modric had some nice moments today in the match, and he still looks young on some levels. But for the, for the most part, when you think about a super club, there's going to be some cycling out of there, whereas Barcelona feel like they're on a decent place in terms of bringing players to the academy. There's a lot of inconsistency, but go forward 20 more games from now, these players are more experienced. So getting a chance for these young guys, if, if they put out a young squad, I think a, a chance to get this experience, to feel the pressure, to know what it's like who you're going to have to beat if you want to win the league someday because you're, you're talking about a lot of young players with not much experience 
uh, in this Barcelona side. So I feel like it is the most lopsided that I can remember. However, I think Barcelona can get things out of this game that aren't just about sort of the results. By the way, they would have moved into what third or fourth place had they had they won uh, this match over the weekend. Yeah, it's very tight. They were now they're they're six still, uh, one point behind Real Sociedad, Atleti, thirty-three, Real Betis. So it's still up for grabs. But to your point, you know the Supercopa will be a good experience for them. Real Madrid, to their point, they just want to win the Liga again, and that's really their their main thing as well with Champions League. All right, we're gonna leave Spain. Sevilla beats Getafe one nothing. Rayo Betis one all. But let's go to the Bundesliga. Obviously, the USMNT hour, these two are going to get way more into it. Uh, Grant Hall will join as well, and they'll have a good discussion. But Ricardo Pepe did make his debut. I mean, Augsburg did lose, but still, how did it feel there, Heath Pierce, to see uh, Ricardo Pepe jump in and, and get on the pitch? I know that you sometimes can leave the romanticism for it, right? What do you make of it? <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm just, ha- I mean, I, I told Jimmy, uh, I mean, I, as I said in the preview, that you throw them on, you play them right away. They obviously didn't do that because they're smart, uh, smarter than me and not emotional like I am. He played the final 30, but this is the photo. This His is a... is way too big for him. Yeah, n- n- that's fine. This is, is a guy, he Chris Richards... Like a Batman villain. Yeah, and maybe that's like he's wearing that coat from I know what you did last summer. Yeah, (laughs) when I look at when I look at this photo, I see Chris Richards that's like just hit that match bonus, baby, after going down (laughs) one nil. Yeah, he's okay. Then we came back and we win this one. I'm happy right now. I started in this match, and then I look at Ricardo Pepe, and he's got this face of like. I made a huge mistake. I mean, look at it. I, I, his team is going to suffer for the end of the year. Do I think he's it's good for his development? He's yes. culture shock. He's culture shock. I'm happy that he got his debut. I'm yeah. happy that he's going to probably be starting more uh, or, or very soon be starting because you can work You can justify the start now that you've gotten him some minutes. The team needs him to play these games. But when I, when I think about Augsburg, and I don't think about 20 million. I don't think about a team that's well built around him. I think about a team that spent a lot of money on an 18 year old who just happy birthday to him, by the way. Today's his birthday. Oh, um, okay. uh, he's 19, so he's not a young talent anymore. He's got to prove himself. <laughs> oh, yeah. you know? He's still 19. <laughs> yeah. he's not a young talent. I'm anymore. tired of talking potential. He's 19 years old now. Do something. <laughs> but no, I mean, honestly, I'm happy for him there. But at the same time, he's got a lot to learn and they're going to need it quickly. And I'm a bit worried about similar to Wolfsburg where I'm happy he's not there because they lost again this weekend where he's just really gonna, mad because he yeah. still has his PS4. Your yeah. PS4 <laughs> yeah, I, listen, I just, I just don't know what to expect from Augsburg because they're not a big club. They spent a ton of money on this player. They're not well structured to, to serve him the ball or get him the, the service that he needs. But we've seen that with the national team that he can get his half chance or his full chance when he's in form and start delivering. So I hope that he gets more minutes and can, Deliver for his team, but I'm I'm also happy for Chris Richards to get the W and another match for him because we need the national team playing games, guys. Games, matches, matches of consequence, important games because we don't have a lot of guys getting minutes right now. No, and minutes are minutes, as you say, and, and important minutes, meaningful minutes where they're getting tested and, and having to solve problems out on the field. So he comes in, they're down 2-1. How can he help? Even though he doesn't really know his teammates, he hasn't been there very long, probably doesn't even really know where he should be moving in relation to everybody else. But he's got to go out there and solve problems. And I think that he had a pretty pragmatic, let's say, 30 minutes. He was pressing, right? That's to be expected. That's what he does very well. He's he's trying to put himself in good spots. He's trying to play simple. I mean, if I was his coach, I'd be like, listen, just get out there, play what you see. If you have an opportunity to, to lay it and go and maybe create some space, there was a good opportunity for him to do that. His teammate wasn't good enough to get him the ball. He would have been probably one-on-one with the goalkeeper, which would have been awesome and maybe would have changed uh, the outcome of the game or in some capacity got him a goal. It would have been a nice start. 
but I didn't really mind it. My, what I what I mind so much is is just is he going to get the service? Is he surrounded by players that are actually going to bring out what he's capable of and and can play to his strengths? We see that with Josh Sargent. I'll use him as an example. Werder Bremen. Okay, we're, but we've probably seen enough of Josh Sargent now to know. Okay, maybe it's not the team he's playing on. Maybe he's just not good enough, and that's that's a fair conversation to have. But but when he goes to Norwich, we're all like. Why? He's just going to chase the ball for 90 minutes if he gets to play. That's not really playing to his strengths and what it's about. So I worry about that with Ricardo Pepe to, to the points that Heath was making with regard to Augsburg. Are they good enough? Wolfsburg probably would have got him the ball. They got a little bit more talent in, in different areas of the field. Lucas Mecca comes uh, to mind. And if he wanted to partner with Valt Vaghorst. But I don't know. It's tough. It's really early days, of course. I'm curious to see how the next game goes, especially if he starts, how he looks. But ultimately... When you have a player out there, and what we want from a U.S. men's national team perspective is our players playing in, in situations that are difficult, and they have to figure out how to solve problems because that's going to help them get better. And when they get tested in big games, they're going to be comfortable in solving those problems because they have already worked out those answers before. Yeah, let him unpack his suitcase. Uh, <laughs> let, let him let him get his uh, coat hanger sorted out, and then you know we'll see how it develops. But these two will be talking way more about this, and of course the rest of the U.S. Women T chatter. Uh, on Monday, tomorrow with Grant Wall. All right, well, Bayern lost, uh, Borussia do, uh, lost as well, so all, all the same as, as is in the Bundesliga. So we're just going to jump to the final thoughts as we say goodbye. Plenty to discuss everywhere. We didn't even mention Lyon, PSG, they drew. Uh, Marseille, by the way, they end their 44-year winless run away to Bordeaux. Uh, and there was some nepotism in Portugal, but it was a good one where Porto coach Pedro Conceição brings on his son, Francisco, in the 87th minute. Two minutes later, he scores the winner against Estoril, and it was amazing. He goes to hug him, and his dad, like, kind of hugs him, but also gives him that, like, really hard smack that you, only your dad can give you. Uh, it was really great. But final thoughts as we say goodbye. Jimmy Conrad. Yeah, I mean, just on that segue, I'll take what you said about uh, father and son, you know, having a great moment. I just want to see the same thing at Toronto FC this year with Bob and Michael Bradley. I need to see some head slaps. I need to see some kisses on the cheek like we saw there between yeah. the Conte Sals. I want to see all of that. And and if it doesn't happen, I'm going to be severely disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point. Heath! I don't know how to follow up from that. That's just a funny and well, a funny Bob and a, a one, maybe? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, a wonderful yeah, and Senior is the real son and and, and the father uh there and I'm I'm actually interested. That's a great point. I'm interested to see how he does. I'm interested to see how he integrates into the team. Obviously Bob Bradley's done a good job in the past of dealing with Carlos Vela who doesn't do any media, does his own thing, it's on his own schedule, trains as hard as he wants and still got some good performances out of him. So uh, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how how that goes, but um, overall, that's pretty much my my, my final thoughts uh, from the weekend. I'm excited to see this uh, Man United uh, Aston Villa match. Absolutely, I can't wait till we uh, obviously naturally concede a penalty at some point. Thank you, Michael <laughs> Oliver. But anyway, that was it. By the way, thank you so much for being part of the family. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Kegolasso Pod. We're also on Spotify and Apple Podcast, Stitcher. Leave a five star rating and review YouTube. YouTube.com, baby. We're more than 7,000. We're getting to that 8,000 now. Help us keep growing. But Heath Pierce and Jimmy Conrad will be back on Monday for USMNT Hour. I'll be talking to Fab, Fabrizio Romano for the latest transfer news. we got so much more to come in the week, including weekend preview and so much more. But Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, my man. 
Thank you, LME. Thank you, Heath. Thank you, Christine and producer Des. And everybody listening, of course, we appreciate you. Oh, man, you did that so well. Heath Pierce, thank you, buddy. I got to follow this again. Jimmy's on a roll right now. Talk about a politician. Thank you, Luis. I appreciate you coming in. You're the best host we've ever had. You're the best host we'll ever Heath wins. Yeah, just saying. Heath, you win, Heath. You win. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. Have a great, great beginning to your week. We'll see you next time.